I think that your opinions are roughly as strong as Rich's opinions. So I think we should we should put the two together. Just tell me something you really love and I'll dislike it. Or vice versa. Citizen Kane is bullshit? Oh, Citizen Kane is such fucking bullshit. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> all right, so that this will work out well. Let's. Um, <laughs> all right, all right. Here we go. Off so. we go. Rich in the studio today, Maria Bustios, who is a writer. An entrepreneur, a serious cultural commentator who's been published in places like The New Yorker, the Columbia Journalism Review, I'm guessing The New York Times. <clears throat> She's not playing games. And she comes to us today, which, as you'd expect, someone who is a serious cultural commentator focused on history, culture, technology, she comes to Track Changes today to talk about a subject very near and dear to our hearts, which is her new blockchain-based media startup. What? Maria, hi, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Full disclosure, we should point out that you tend to show up with quixotic projects for us. (laughs) And we've talked about things like money before, although we're not in a fiscal relationship with you at this point no not yet no but i do like i do like to disclose Someday. relationships on our on our marketing podcast yeah for ethical reasons okay so one day you woke up and you said i need to put media on the blockchain well okay i've been writing about bitcoin since 2013 like the first piece that i published about it was at the new yorker uh, when the elements blog started over there um and matt buchanan who was then the editor of it asked me what do you want to write about and i'm like bitcoin and he's like are you kidding and i'm like no really it's going to be a thing and he's like whatever lady and i was very convinced i why were you convinced well i've always looked at it as not really a currency project Like when I first read about blockchain technology, what's always impressed me about it is that it's a a system of keeping incorruptible records, unfalsifiable Mm -hmm. records. And as a journalist, it's obviously interesting, right? Because we are chasing, you know, decaying information. Like this is this is sort of the project. People can lie. Yeah, they really can. And they will if it will benefit them. Mm -hmm. So any kind of system of unfalsifiability or incorruptibility is of, of desperate interest to me. And there wasn't really any anything to do about that. You know, in 2013, it was a a currency system. You know, I bought my first Bitcoin myself just out of curiosity, so I'd know what I was talking about. For did, like, did you go in on Bitcoins? I, I, I did a dab- in 13. I'm a dabbler. I bought my first one for 64 bucks. Wow. Oh boy. <laughs> okay, so your first one. Yeah. Uh, let me. I mean, I, it, it's an awkward question, but like, how vast are your holdings in cryptocurrency? They're not vast, unfortunately. Okay. I mean, you know, like once that shit gets up to like twelve hundred bucks, you're like, man. You know, my husband's like, you know, like you should really sell this thing. Mm-hmm. Did you sell? I still have a little bit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Chopped it up. Okay. So you have been pretty into this for quite a while. I love it. It's just, you know, I I love investment 
as a way of growing wealth, you know, like in a, in a conservative way. And I also love gambling, which is completely different, right? Those are different. So they are different. <laughs> it's just literally, I'm done now because this is, it's like looking into a parallel universe rich. <laughs> so, but you buy into the blockchain, do you buy into the blockchain as a currency? Like, do you really? Okay. Let me tell you what I, you know, I hear this a lot. And what I always say is, is it full of thieves and charlatans? Is it full of scams and stupidity and lunacy? Yes. The only thing worse is fiat. I mean, I, I don't want to stand up and be like, fiat currency, but it served me pretty good. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm so glad you didn't lose your house in 2008 or whatever. I mean, but that's not currency's fault. Well, I mean, it's neither is this. You know, it's like pe- people will find a way to a game or steal like any store of value is a target it doesn't matter everybody so. that's into bitcoin has sorted out the counter arguments i feel like there there's a playbook somewhere there's <laughs> <laughs> an faq okay these, these are good you know the arguments against it are valid that's the thing i'm not mm-hmm. gonna i'm not gonna tell you that it's they're part not. of the fun right absolutely the debate and the discussion and the controversy yeah. i mean so this is the thing for me it's a kind of like The internet exists because people took a piece of technology and an idea into their heart and Mm -hmm. couldn't leave it alone until it manifested as the web and search engines and and so on. And like, I can see that happening with Bitcoin. It's 99% of the people are wearing ridiculous hats, but there's like that 1% left over who are like, no, I like to create markets in my spare time with, you know, two mouse clicks. And so this is fun for me. Yeah. I mean, and there are, there are problems that it can potentially solve. I mean, I like to tell people blockchain technology isn't the answer, but it's the paper that you could write the answer on. All right. So let's, let's talk about civil a little bit. So first of all, you have a company. Mm-hmm. What's that called? Fatima Katima. Okay. And it, it runs a publication called Popula. P-O-P-U-L-A. Dot com. Dot com. <laughs> um, that will po- launch like in a few months. Popular was the name of another company you had way back in the day, right? It was. It was the proto Etsy of its day. It was launched in 1998. It was an auction site for vintage, rare, and collectible goods. Right. So it's it's important for people to know, like, you're not a dabbler in this world. Like, you've been around and seen how the pieces come together. You had a startup in 98. Yeah, Internet 1.0. We rode that roller coaster for sure, and then and then became a writer. Yeah. Okay. So, Popula is something that's going to launch. It's going to be some sort of media thing. Tell me what the thing like. What what is the shape of it? It's a news and culture magazine. Okay. So Online. if I know what a magazine is, I kind of get what Popula is. Yeah. Okay. And then there's something called Civil. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is Civil? Civil is a platform for publishing. Okay, you're not you don't own or you didn't create Civil. I did not create Civil. Okay. They they approached me to make a publication on their new platform. Okay. The founders of Civil, a man named Matthew Isles, the young guy, very smart guy, sold a, a big digital marketing company that he had mm-hmm. and decided this is what he wanted to do with his life. He so got blockchain fever? He did. And he he decided he wanted to save journalism on the blockchain. And so... One sign that we live in a debased era is no one has written blockchain fever as a song and, and gotten it onto the radio. <laughs> I don't know. I, so, I don't think you could just baldly make that claim somewhere in the somewhere, world. You're probably right. Yeah. We'll have to find out. How do you save journalism <laughs> with the blockchain? 
Go. Okay. I just told you that it's a system of producing incorruptible records. Mm -hmm. Journalism has a lot of problems in its funding model, in its uh, deteriorating archives, in the vulnerability to billionaires who don't like what we write, in uh, there's governance issues. You know, how do you bring readers in to participate in what we're doing meaningfully? Okay. And all these things can be addressed using blockchain technology. You got to be really smart and design systems that will work. Like all for, of them? Yes. I mean, eventually. Like, okay, let me just take archives because that's usually the yeah. easiest thing. Okay. I covered the Gawker trial. Mm-hmm. And you probably have heard that Peter Thiel made a bid for the Gawker archive. I did. As, a, um, as the rights holder for the Gawker archive, he would be free to go even to the Wayback Machine and tell them that he owns the rights and they have to get rid of it and honor his takedown request. And there is a chance that they would do that. I mean, it's actually a relatively high chance. It's not, this is someone who knows how all that works. Yeah. So he'd buy the archives and then he'd go, there's two ways to do it. You can actually just put a little robots.txt on your current file and the, the internet archive will honor that and erase from that point on yeah so robots.txt for people who don't know is just a file that tells web archiving and bots what to do great name for a podcast if anybody wants it robots.txt yeah Mm. these are the weeds that i live in and (laughs) uh, no so like peter Thiel could just literally he's one text file away if he owns it from saying please erase this entire record so whenever we publish anything on popular a text version of it will be published to the Ethereum blockchain and it cannot be altered ever. You have to turn off the internet to get rid of it. If we should... Because it's distributed, it lives in thousands of computers at Mm -hmm. that point on that blockchain. Yeah. I like to tell people that we're returning to the age of microfish where even if you lost a libel suit, they wouldn't go to every library and remove every reel. There would... You know, you'd be able to make alterations and corrections and retractions, but always through addenda, never through erasure. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this solves the problem of degenerating archives. As long as the Ethereum blockchain is maintained and people continue to run that software, everything that we publish is protected permanently. But wait. Protected from deterioration or from appropriation? Both. But wait, now I can go read everything for free. Well, we have a paywall system. Okay. But eventually it's possible. It's not designed yet, right? So it's possible that we make everything free eventually. So so let's say 90 days after publication, things go into the Ethereum blockchain archive. Well, they're published to the Ethereum blockchain archive for sure. But like how you access them once that's done, I don't know yet. Okay. So there's some question marks. Is yeah. this being built? This is being built on Civil? As we speak, yeah. And Civil is being built on Ethereum? Yes. And Ethereum is just built on something. Life. Life. Eth- yeah. Well, Ethereum was made by this super genius kid, Vitalik Buterin, right. a few years ago. And it's a blockchain like Bitcoin is a blockchain, its own separate blockchain. But it has different features. It was made to run distributed applications on, or dApps as they're called. And instead of running on a proof of work system that's like so energy intensive, the way that Bitcoin is, the Ethereum network is moving to what's called a proof of stake system. And there's not mining, basically, or there won't be. 
What's what's the the differentiator here? It's that the content is saved into the blockchain. For me, that's like makes it worth doing, like just off the bat. But that's just one small part. There's a lot more to it. Which makes the content impenetrable, right? I mean, you Completely can't... Completely imperishable. What does that protect from? It protects against Peter Thiel. It protects against link rot. It protects against the demise of, you know, the degradation of search engines. It protects against, like, I don't it's know. It's like an Uber internet archive. Yeah. Essentially. Super way back. How does it protect from Peter Thiel? He can't just robot text his way out of but what if, being if talked you about. acquire a thing... If I'm publisher A and it, I... It still can't be changed. It's it's just like, you know, like when you used to go to a library and you'd see like the, a newspaper. The newspaper's old. It no longer belongs to William Hurst, you know? Right. But you're still going to see what happened on that day. Right. So wait, are you saying that it protects us from future Peter Thiels and future Peter Thiel-like states? Yes. Because currently the Gawker archive is just on a hard drive serving up to the internet. And if Peter Thiel comes along and buys it and turns it off, it's gone. It's gone. It might be gone. It might, yeah. I mean, parts of it are on the Wayback Machine, but you can't, you know, it's, it's less secure because the Wayback Machine is only on Brewster's servers. Hey, Rich. Paul. Sorry to interrupt this conversation about blockchains, but, you know, people should know about Postlight. They should. Here's the thing about Postlight. Speaking of innovation. People often come to us and say, what are you doing about the blockchain? You know what we say? Everything. And nothing. The thing about the blockchain is that it doesn't obviate the need for truly great products. Like one of we have conversations with people and they're like, I don't know how to make people use our blockchain wallet. It's garbage. No one understands. Right. That's actually where we come in. Like you can use us to fix the product problems that your ridiculous blockchain system has created for you. Your ridiculous fill in the blank system has created for you. Exactly. It's not, everything's ridiculous. Everything's ridiculous. And so we'll get in there and we'll figure out what your users need, what needs to get built, what your platform is and what the products need to look like so that people actually use them and don't just talk about them. Absolutely. And that's where we are. That's Postlight. And Hello at postlight.com. That's how you reach us. Let's get back to the show. I mean, there's other issues too, like not too long ago, the, the Gothamist websites and the mm-hmm. DNA Info websites, which serve local news, their publisher shut them down and sort of didn't communicate it very well. Just was like, oh, these sites are down now. Good luck. And all the writers freaked out because they'd lost all their clips. And that is their, your writing clips are your ability to get another job. You can demonstrate mm-hmm. that you did the work, right? So... So what you're saying is like in this case, everything could go live with codes attached to it. And if I needed to retrieve a piece that was written in 2018. It can't be deleted. It can't be deleted. So if I know what that location is essentially on the Ethereum blockchain or the civil blockchain built on top of Ethereum, I can always go back and always find that piece as long as the computers are all turned on. Yes. But I mean, that's just one small thing. It's like, it was my, it's sort of my prime mover, right? Because I'm really into archives and libraries and, and the preservation of information and, and was so sensitive, you know, because like Paul, I started on the internet, like when it was born and we saw, you know, the degradation of, of search engines and the degradation of archives and like how link rot like has wrecked so much, you know? And so this is, this is really important just for me personally. But then if you move into sort of business model, for example, and I mean, these are experiments that are in their 
early stages. It could be that civil is a rough draft of something yet to come. Oh, and to your point about DNA, our colleagues who are also publishing at civil, um, a group called uh, Block Club Chicago, mm-hmm. are ex-DNA. Um, Seamus Toomey and a couple of his colleagues. So local journalists are banding together and they're going to publish using these blockchain technologies. On civil. So... Does this in some way get rid of the need for the quixotic billionaire who funds the the local news? This is our fervent hope, yes. Okay, so the goal is almost like a collective, self-owned, self-sustaining media organization. Popula is going to be a collective. So this has always been the utopian goal in publishing, that mm-hmm. it would kind of be it, – it 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 attracts ne'er do wells and and crabby communists and and like they they naturally organize themselves into collectives, and there's always been a fantasy that if some sustaining model and some way to build the collective without having a ph- philanthropist involved could show up, then you could publish kind of you could really exercise the hell out of your free speech without necessarily needing a lot of advertisements and and a whole lot of the other stuff. Just focus on the news part. You still need money. Well, this is this is my next question, but like the hypothesis here is that this makes that kind of social structure around publishing more possible. Exactly. Okay, so how do you get money into the system? Because you can't pay civil coins at the bodega to get your parliament lights and your Diet Coke that you need in order to finish your article. There, there are already agreements in place with exchanges, and, and it will probably be something like you have a Coinbase or a Coinbase equivalent account that will go between fiat and Ethereum, probably. So somebody buys some of these coins. You could. Okay. Or like you could, you can subscribe probably, like, you know, the prototypes that we're looking at now, you can subscribe with dollars, but it will entitle you to a certain amount of civil possibly, mm-hmm. you know, or you can just go buy civil at an exchange or you can buy civil, you know, any number of ways. And then those tokens you can use on the platform, for example, for micro tipping, which is a thing that's very dear to me. Um, that sounds a lot like micro payments. It is like micro the claps on medium. Yeah. Like yeah. claps for, like, well, yeah, but there's no value to the collapse. I mean, we're now we're now about to enter. Let's not enter the 20 year vortex of micropayments. I know flatter. It's yeah. so sad. I know beans, beans flues. Yeah. That's an old one. Yeah, yeah. readability. <laughs> oh man, I know. It's like there have Don't. been there have been so many disasters in this space. Well, see, the problem that I see with all this stuff is the fourteen seventy five a month problem. Yeah, where you get fourteen dollars and seventy five cents in a check for the 12 pieces that you wrote and Mm -hmm. like, it's just hard. Like there's no, there's nothing there. That's what makes this so great though. Cause like it it would just go straight to your, it would go into the bank. You would tell me how I make $60,000 a year. (laughs) Let's say I'm a young writer. I just got my journalism degree and Mm -hmm. you, you're like, okay, great. I'd love to see some pieces from you. And I write you something. I write you a good essay or I go and I do an interview or a profile and I, I send it to you and Microsoft Word format. Okay. And you publish it onto the popular civil platform. You, I can pay you tokens and you can cash them into dollars that, that very day if you want to. Okay. Or you could. So I could go to an exchange. You, you could be like, yes. hey, I transferred. Here it is, XR574. This is your token. Right. And you can go onto an exchange website and cash that out as Bitcoin, Dogecoin, or US fiat currency. 
Yes. If you have an account. If you have the the correct accounts and we're not clear on what those accounts are going to be. There's all kinds of rules about, you know, money services businesses. Sure. Now so, you've combined all the fun of editorial work with all the fun of running an exchange. It's <laughs> Yeah, we can't do that. Um, so well, there's relationships with exchanges. So our writers will and we will teach them how to do that. Here's where you open your account so we can put the tokens in for you. Okay, so that's part of it is getting writers educated as to how to yes. be in the world of space jewels and nonsense nickels. Yes. Okay. And it's not a it's a a non trivial task. Mm-hmm. But um we're doing but this it. is not this <laughs> is not why they went to journalism school. No, no. It's very certainly not. But anyway, they'll be able to get dollars if they want to or they can hold or or switch into other cryptocurrencies if they want to. Okay, so they now you're essentially paying them in it's sort of like getting paid in euros or something. You know, you just right. have to pay a little fee if you want dollars or whatever. But there's all these reasons for having the token that are in development right now, but I could talk about some of them, like we talked about micropayments a little bit. This young writer who has taken some of her cryptocurrency out into dollars and maybe kept some for fun or wants to change it into other stuff, her piece is up on Popula now. Mm-hmm. When readers come, if they decide that they like it, they can send 25 cents and you don't have the payment processing problems, you know, or the problem of the $14 and 75 cent check because that money, you know, the, those tokens will go to her account that we already know what it is. So it's all just going to hang out there in that account. She can, mm-hmm. and that's hers. She can turn that into money at any point. Yeah. Or okay. not. And the reader's got to obviously sign up as well. Mm-hmm. And they're giving um, us dollars. If they want, or they can give civil tokens and they'll need civil tokens if they want to do commenting because commenting costs. I'm a huge fan of comments on the internet. Mm -hmm. I love them. Like at the all where I publish so much stuff, some of the most valuable pieces that I did that people read a lot, like were immeasurably improved by additional information and jokes and things that people added. So I really want that. And to make it less prone to spam and pollution, we're making it cost a little bit. Like it'll cost 10 cents or something to leave a comment. Um, well, one of the earliest applications of this idea was a proposal like this is in the 90s, or early 2000s, was a proposal that you'd have to pay a little what we'd now call a cryptocurrency to send an email. That was going to block spam. Took care of it. Yeah, except it's, it's fascinating, right? Because you're back to the kind of like the decentralized, like I'm going to make a little cryptocurrency. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And have to pay a tiny, tiny fraction of a cent. A lot of the real rhetoric around the crypto world that excites me the most is very, very, very like the nineties. Right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's back in the crazy cakes world. There's no um, dog sock puppet. Although every time I see the articles (laughs) about the dudes who live in like crypto communities in Puerto Rico, it's like a whole community of dog sock puppets. Oh my God. There's some scary. I mean, the first time I went to a Bitcoin conference, I was actually so horrified that I just went off the whole thing for about a year. Mm-hmm. I was like, I just can't even believe this. It's so insane. You know, it was like this the seasteading libertarian lunatics everywhere, you know. And I thought, this is this is impossible. I don't know. Kind of entertaining, though. Oh, my God. You it, have a very – Maria has a very high tolerance for relative craziness. So yeah. if you went <laughs> – if you immediately rejected it, it must have been pretty intense. Well – the, this one conference I went to, the Winklevoss twins gave the keynote, mm-hmm. and they and they had a um, 
a slide deck and they had a quote, that spurious quote from Gandhi, right? About first they laugh at you and all this nonsense. Right. He didn't say it. Somebody, yeah. And not only did he never say it, like they misspelled Gandhi. Oh, that's great. On the slide. Oh, they probably spelled it G-A-N-D-I, which is a well-known domain name registrar in France. (laughs) No, (laughs) they just put the H in the, in the, in French. They made a ton of money, right? Like with billions. No, billions. Yeah, they got in there super early. Yeah. Oh, billions. billions. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, 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 I feel bad because they seem like nice guys. But like, I, you know, when I was at that thing I, and it was just all about it was all the opposite of what motivates me. It was all about let's get wealth. Let's get more wealth. They don't even know what they want it for. It's like just wealth. That's it. It's like in, they're all going slightly crazy. Like, well, it's just pure market. Like it's there's an investor mindset is you're in the market. And what's on the other sides of the market isn't... Well, you know, I mean, I think it's it's worth talking about Satoshi Nakamoto, who whose idea this was, and who was very, very angry about the bailouts in England. I don't know about what happened to this guy, but like in the Genesis block, when Bitcoin was founded, when it first started in January of 2009, there's a message encoded in, in it that says, Chancellor of the Exchequer on the brink of second bailout. Mm-hmm is a political project. Right. We don't know that it's libertarian, but we do know that it's anti-bank. Right. It's anti-central bank, that it's anti the dilution of currency. These are significant problems. They're mm-hmm. serious problems. They're mm-hmm. not there's nothing bullshit about this. It's not about, you know, instantaneous wealth. It's not about it's not specifically anti-government either. It's about addressing the problems that central banks have caused the world, which are immense. Well, when the culture gets hold of a decentralized technology, Right, like that's when everything goes insane. But yeah. is this a statement? Is is I think Bitcoin's a statement. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, I mean, is that all it? Can you can you build economies and startups on a statement? I would say you have a technology that addresses problems that were created by the existing failures. You know, there's all these points of failure in the monetary system that we have. I mean, there's so many of them. Like, you know, we have income inequality, for example. We have, like, you know, the dilution of currency. We have got problems caused by the IMF. We have, like, the fraud upon fraud upon fraud. It, you know, places like J.P. Morgan. I mean, I thought it was actually laughable when Jamie Dimon came out and said, Bitcoin's a fraud. I'm like, dude, you, your company has been caught with his hand in the cookie jar, like, quite a number of times, my friend. I do not need a lecture from you about, like, you know, fiscal responsibility right now. I mean, that's just like really honestly full of shit. So, you know, it's, it is, a, there's a serious set of techniques here that people may not make good use of, or they might make good use of to address real serious problems in existing institutions, financial, business, political, everything. All right. So next thing is to launch Popula. Yeah. And, Thus, start smashing the institutions. Right, okay. I know. Multiple, one by one, multiple one by fronts. One. <laughs> so, if people want to get in touch with you, what do they do? Maria at popula dot com and sign up at popula dot com. There's a place where you can put your email if you want to. And then when it's when it's time, hear more. Yeah, you we'll, will announce. We will send you an email, and we'll be like all over the internet, yelling our heads off. All right. Well, everyone should do that because this is weird as hell. wow i like this idea i just i like anything that puts money into creator hands and gives them economic options 
there's yeah. very little optionality for writers, right? You know, you write a piece, you get paid, and then you're back. Like, you got to get back in there and get another one. Right. You're on a treadmill. This, conceptually, I don't know if the, the, the blockchain that we're talking about here will ever, like, gain enough value. Yeah. But this, at least conceptually, like, hey, how about if you do some labor, you're in the game. Yeah, cool. I, I, I don't think anyone knows how this movie ends. No, my God. Right? I don't I think, think that's, I mean, what you have to give Maria credit for is she's going in. Going in. Yeah, all the way. Yeah. All the way. And that's, so. I mean, I mean, we still don't know how the web ends, although we're starting to see the end of like what the web looks like for the next 50 years, I would argue. Mm. Like, I think that like, you know, Google is going to look kind of like Google for at least 10 more years. Yeah. You know, there'll be new yeah. phones. The same, you know, Facebook, who knows? Apple, who knows? But it's like, I don't think it's going to be 20 years for those companies to, to change radically. They're huge. Yeah, so and I f- why change? Yeah, HTML5, I feel, is going to be around for a long... Like, the standards and the things that make up the web are designed to be around into, you know, 2030, 2040. Yeah, but there's a migration away. We all know this. Well, this is a new thing. This is a new and tumultuous thing. So it's fun. Anyway, if you want to talk about anything, including blockchain, you can get in touch with us at hello at postlight.com. Mm. <laughs> Very that's smooth. The, that's right. That's the email you, you use. We like to hear from people. We like to answer reader questions. Um, subscribe, tell your friends to subscribe, tell us how we can be better. You can yell at us. A lot of people write and yell at us. A lot of, uh, recently actually, quite a few. So we, <laughs> we welcome even more of that and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Have a great week. Bye.